This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Do you want to cleanse after eating too much Halloween candy? Do you want to have energy to deal with your relatives and all the travel? Eat nutrient-dense food that's quick and easy with Factor Meals. That's what I do. Sometimes I'm just too busy to cook on my busy schedule, and I want to make sure I'm eating well. And with Factor, I don't have to run to the grocery store. I don't have to chop, prep, and clean up either. And I get flavor and nutritional quality that I look for to give me the energy to keep doing what I do. It is cold and flu season, and I found over time that when I've been eating well, I recover quicker from uh, cold and flu symptoms. And during this time of year, you want to be able to get out and do things without feeling like you're going to be sick for two weeks afterwards. The clean eating and nutrient density in Factor Meals makes me more confident that I'm going to fight back against all the germs that are out there circulating during this time of year. Factor provides over 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that does support a healthy lifestyle and will meet your meal preferences with their variety, all delivered right to your door and ready to pull out of the refrigerator and heat up and eat in two minutes. You don't have to wait 45 minutes for delivery, worry if the food's going to be cold, worry about how much to tip, and mess around with the delivery app. Every week you get a box of meals and they're in your fridge ready to go. They also have an assortment of 45 plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice, too. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions and source 100% renewable electricity at their production and site offices. So, this November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com wade50 and use code wade50 to get 50% off. That's code wade50 at factormeals.com slash wade50 to get 50% off. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, hello, everyone. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's the first thing I need to say. Uh, this is Wrestling Night in America. I'm Kelly Wells uh, filling in for the newly married Greg Parks, um, and I'm sitting in here with Brandon McClare, and we are going to talk a Survivor Series uh, with a final moment that we did not think we were going to see for many years. I, I remember the end of Royal Rumble 2014, CM Punk, one of the final four in that ring, and um, then we never saw him again. Uh, he was going to do a WrestleMania match with Kane, but that was uh, that was not his thing. So we'll try to unpack this. Um, Brandon, I, I saw your, your tweet, and it was as simple as, I don't remember. I read a lot of tweets just now, but it was just a few words, and um, wow, just wow, maybe that was yours, or... Uh, or some such. Um, we have seen CM Punk come back to companies and uh, and it go interestingly. Uh, uh, join companies and, and, and see things go south in the back. Um, why should this be different and what should we expect from this run? I, I mean, obviously they gave us so much... Uh, so much meat on the bone they're they're teasing big for tomorrow uh what what do you expect from here wow yeah uh a lot to unpack uh i i am it's not often that a a wrestling show um gets me to to audibly gasp or uh actually you know audibly make a make a comment sitting here watching the show and and this this got me uh, this, this got me pretty good. Um, I, you know, we were all very much aware of the rumors coming in and the, the table was sort of set being that the show was in Chicago and the, the internet is going to do what it's going to do. But I, I thought it was all much ado about nothing to, to be honest. And, and WWE deserves a lot of credit here for, for keeping this under wraps. Uh, incredibly well. Uh, I mean, every indication from from all the usual suspects and sources was was that this was this was certainly not happening. And uh, to to keep that to keep that as close to the vest as they were able to is certainly impressive. I I am I I am optimistic. I I I talked about this a, a while back on on a post show. I, I don't remember when, but it was. It was shortly after Punk uh, Punk's AEW run met its demise, and and I, I just said that if 
CM Punk is to, at some point down the line, make a return to WWE. My anticipation is that it is going to be different, not necessarily because I think CM Punk has changed in any way, but because I don't think that CM Punk is going to be put in a position where he is going to be able to to have these public spats with his coworkers, which ultimately led to his to his leaving the company. I mean, you heard plenty of positive things from people in AEW about CM Punk's run, particularly from the women. They seem to have really enjoyed his time there and thought that they gained a lot from from his being there. And a lot of the undercard talent seemed to feel that way as well. But there is there's clearly a divide in the AEW locker room, and there's clearly some politics being played that while they have been played in, in WWE to varying degrees in the past, it seems like it is a locker room that is better suited to band together and stand up to that kind of attitude if there is one, or that the locker room in general is in a better position altogether where management is able to quell that kind of thing before it becomes a serious issue. So I'm not here to say that CM Punk is going to be, you know, employee of the month and everything is going to go swimmingly. But if we give Punk some benefit of the doubt to say that, hey, maybe he has matured since the last time he was in WWE, then I I think that it is reasonable to hope that the, the, the environment that WWE produces in 2023 will be able to, to whatever extent that this is possible, keep Punk in line. You know, is so much of the scuttlebutt at the time in 2014 was that Punk and Triple H were the ones really, really at odds. And right, there's right. a lot about this situation we don't know, but one thing we do know about Triple H is that he doesn't keep a grudge to the same level yes. that Vince McMahon does. So yes. even though these guys aren't sitting down at Thanksgiving dinner together, um, I, I think that they both they both are pretty wise businessman not saying that vince wasn't Mm -hmm. but vince loved to hold those grudges for as long as he could it was just it was just who he was um and is you know but i that's what's so interesting to me that this happened under the regime of triple h when there were years he could have come back uh otherwise but i i really felt at that aew scrum uh, how do you how do you come back from that and show up in that company It just, it felt like it was doomed then. Um, I I also thought that on this night, they really had their cake and ate it too. They, they teased, oh, they teased a way for, for Punk to come back. And then, and it was going to be disappointing either way in your mind, because either Orton doesn't show up or Punk doesn't show up and they get the benefit of both returns. Uh, poor R-Truth came back, got a good pop, but he was the third biggest return <laughs> of the night. <laughs> um, yes, and they they got their thing with uh, Orton. Orton deferred to let Cody win war games, which I thought was like quietly a really cool moment. 
um, mm-hmm. to win that match uh, that that his dad uh, not popularized created, um, and and then they got their punk entrance. And this is one of those times where we're on the podcast on the post show. And I feel like I'm missing a lot of information just by being here talking about the information that we've gotten so far. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also every Saturday we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So, again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. Uh... So let's let's talk men's war games match just a little bit. Then we are going to go to six two three, someone in uh, Phoenix area, I imagine, and then uh, then three oh five. After that, we've got you in Miami. Um, but I got a long list of callers, and I don't have either of your names, so I got some guesses. We'll find out. Um, that men's main event, we got we got Orton's return, and you knew throughout the night that the fact that the men were going on last meant either the Orton thing or the punk thing. And I started to believe the punk thing about an hour into the show, just because they were laying it on so thick. Um, And it was almost deafening the way that these guys would not say his name, but I don't know. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this yet. Maybe that's obvious that I'm a little bit spastic about this, but, uh, but Randy Orton returns to a huge pop and, uh, and to a huge physique. This man is terrifying. Uh, and he, <laughs> he hit, uh, he, he played all the greatest hits, uh, laid down JD McDonough. I mean, you knew he was the fall guy and, um, oh no, but he didn't actually eat the pin. Damian Priest did. So yeah, we got a we got a big pin combination here, but they all did their stuff to JD, which I thought was fun because he's a great bump machine. And uh, and Orton on his return, and then uh, then we'll go to the phone lines. Yeah, I, I thought that it was it was an interesting match. I, I I was doing my best to compare it to to really the only other modern instance we have of this on on main roster WWE TV, which was of course last year's Survivor Series. And I was in the building for that one. And and I, I very much thought, and I, I've watched that show back since, and 
I very much felt like this match lacked the emotional depth that that one did. And as a result, I, I don't think that it stood up to last year's quite at, at, at the same level. But with that being said, I, I, I still thought it was fun. And I thought that ultimately the, the, the parts were maybe, you know, a little bit more significant than the sum uh, because there were, there were individual moments that, that, really stood out to me stuff like that you've already mentioned the the randy orton uh deferring to cody rhodes to allow him to get the pinfall uh randy orton having that moment with jay uso deep into the match where he turns to him and and you know he's kind of teasing the turn there but you don't really think that he's actually going to do it it's more so acknowledging the fact that hey you guys you your guys put me on the shelf and i'm letting you know that i haven't forgotten and, you know, we'll handle our business at another time, but just so you know, we, we aren't good. You know, we're good for tonight, and that, that's all. So I thought that that was, uh, that was a strong piece to, to the match. I also really liked the interplay between Drew McIntyre and Damian Priest. I thought they sold it really well. They had that stare down prior to the match that was almost comically long that Finn Balor had to uh, break up by, you know, walking in between them to get to the ring. And then the spot during the match, too, where they came to stare each other down again. And they only, you know, briefly took a pause on their disdain for each other to execute that, that four-person choke slam. And the only reason, or you sense that the only reason that they were willing to do that is because they felt like that was the cap. That was, that was the, the finish to the match, and they would be able to, to prevail and be victorious. So I thought, I thought all of those pieces were really good, especially uh, Damian Priest in the early going when, when he wanted to come into the match, when McIntyre tried to, and Priest said, stick to the plan. And, of course, later we'd find out that the plan was Damian Priest was to cash in his money in the bank and, and win the world title. That was another thing that really stood out to me. I mean, the uh, the the fake cash in that was sort of a swerve setting up the Randy Orton entrance was really effective. It built to a big crescendo for the crowd and uh, a really big moment. And and you know, before we get too far away from the punk stuff, I I, I want to mention too that I, I thought they did a really really strong job in presenting Orton in a way and building up to the Randy Orton entrance in a way where I didn't get the feeling that that crowd was going to be let down if they didn't get punk. I think that you kind of hit it early on when you said that they, they kind of had their cake and ate it too, because punk was like the cherry on top. The crowd seemed to be ready to go home happy with, with the end of the match. Yeah, I actually was uh I was a little proud of Chicago tonight. They um they didn't boo when Orton made his entrance. Granted, it's been almost 2 years, but this is the kind of thing where wrestling fans being the fickle beasts they are, you you can see them booing this moment and that that just didn't happen at all. I love the moment also that you brought up with uh with Jay. This is something throughout history in pro wrestling where they ask you to just ignore that continuity. Just just don't pay attention to the fact that these guys were at odds beforehand, and that's one of the things I really, really like about modern wrestling, is that you're doing, you, you can't acknowledge the continuity every time or your head will explode. But to have that moment and to 
maybe create a moment that and use that moment for something that can be used on TV, I think uh, could be some pretty gripping stuff. So, uh, yeah, came away with the same feeling. You, you can book war games in a couple of different ways. One, to have a big idea that everything is centered around and one and the other to have a bunch of small ideas, a bunch of small moments of things that matter that uh, that happen piece by piece by piece. And maybe that makes for a less memorable match in the long run, but it certainly makes for a fun ride on the way. And that's what we got in our main event. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcast? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices, or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. We are going to take you to Phoenix right now. And uh, if you can hear yourself being unmuted, go ahead and state who you, uh, your name and where you're calling from. Uh, sure, my name is um, Brian. I'm calling from Phoenix. I thought that might be Brian. I should write down the entirety of your number and uh, remember it next time. Brian, what did you think of War Games? Greg, I hope you and Brandon have a real good night um, and say hi to all the listeners there. I thought it was um, a really good Survivor Series. Um, going back, watching, remember watching the first one, or not even watching the first one, I had to watch it on videotape because I didn't have a pay-per-view. And all the way to now, what, 37 years later, it was incredible. Um, I'll make this quick so you can get some other callers on. Um, one thing I'll say about the CM Punk thing, is our thing is that I always you know you, you never say never especially when it came to Vince McMahon you know Vince was always about hey if we can make money let bygones be bygones the biggest one is court is always gonna be Sable in my eyes about her coming back um, it, Lex Luger never came back and Randy Savage never came back with two different circumstances other than um, than um, Sable but let's talk about CM Punk coming back to me, it always seemed like it would be the Triple H thing because it seemed like it was more Triple H and CM Punk that always had a difference of opinion where, to my understanding, that Vince always liked CM Punk. Um, the other thing is that I can't remember the name of the TV show. I should have tried to look it up while I was waiting for you two while waiting for you to come on. Is that remember CM Punk was on that TV show, the one that was on, I believe it was on USA, USA. It was just a talk show. You know, He didn't appear actually on like regular Raw or SmackDown. But it's not like it's not like a CM Punk's grand return back to WWE. Uh, the other part I'll talk about briefly is, and I know you're going to segue to this anyway, is the women's war game match. And I really liked it. You know, I liked the garbage can spot. Um, I like the garbage can spot. Um, you'll come in off of the top rope and with a garbage can. But the thing I'm gonna, I think it's going to be interesting, Brandon and Greg, is going to be that even though we all saw 
and it's going to be video or videotape, of course, saw about how Bailey made a save for a bunch of people, a bunch of her teammates, I should say, and then also taking a lot of uh, spears for that too. And then she ultimately got pinned. I bet what's going to happen is that uh, damage control is going to say, well, it really was your fault that we lost because if any of us would have been there, we wouldn't have got pinned by it. And I really like how um, I know you're a fan of Dakota Kai, Greg, of course. Um, about how she's been a spokesperson because she naturally understands Japan. And then you have the uh, old Seinfeld reference where you have, like, the Korean women talking and nobody understands what they're saying until George's dad comes in and can um, understand what they're saying. I like how Dakota Kai is being actual the spokesperson or being the, the interpreter for Bailey. So if I know you're going to get and talk about the match, Greg and Brandon, but if you want to talk a little bit of, or talk about that aspect of the match, about how – you know, Bailey did everything she could, and she ultimately got the pin. I think she's going to get the blame for the match. And, Greg, I um, missed having you on eight years back this week, um, but I will do a shameless plug for eight years back. Uh, it's um, a VIP exclusive in, uh, a show that's NXT eight years back, I should say, where uh, Greg and Tom Stout talk about eight years ago, 2015's um, NXT show. And I'll go ahead and again, I'll listen and hang on. Brandon and Greg, thanks a lot. And I'm Brian, the 32-year Torch VIP senior subscriber. And hopefully everybody has a really great night. Thanks a lot again, Greg and um, Brandon. Good talking to both of you. <laughs> you too, Brian. Uh, masterful trolling there. Uh, wasn't sure if that's what you were doing at first until you brought up my love for Dakota Kai, which is indeed absolute. Um, yeah, I, I like the little moment with her too. Uh, and yeah, let's... We we talked a little about that CM Punk uh, Triple H situation, of course. Um, yeah, let's let's talk opening match. I came away with the same feeling. Certainly, the rest of Damage Control will blame Bailey. Now, does Damage Control split without Bailey? Does it get renamed without Bailey? Does it become a, a completely different entity, um, different looking, different acting uh, from the way they are now? Because the only thing you can be sure of is that when Damage Control finally is in a big match, they'll lose it. Uh, Bianca Belair, Shotzi, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch defeat Bailey, Asuka, Io Sky, and Kyrie Sane. Um, Kyrie Sane with a bizarre strut to the ring. That, the, yes, that's one of the big things I took away from it, um, but it amused me. And uh, Becky and Bailey uh, go wire to wire here. They were the first two fighting, and they were the last two as Becky finished off Bailey with a manhandle slam through a table, assisted by all of the other baby faces. Uh, I, I thought that this was a, the kind of match that Shotzi benefits from just being in there. Like, I have spent countless hours talking about Shotzi and whether she's going to work out and, um, and her very weird way about her on the NXT show here on the torch, uh, and I, I still don't know. It's been a few years I've been talking about her, and I still don't know if this is worth all the effort, but I, it, you can't say she's not giving the effort. They are trying something with her. But at any rate, opening match, 33-37. Um, Brandon took the time there, so if it is wrong, uh, go ahead and blame him. But I'm going to go ahead and take <laughs> his word for it uh, on the opening women's match, and then we will go uh, to 3.05. Yeah, I thought that it was solid enough. I mean, a lot like a lot like last year's women's war games match. I feel like it's it, it's got this unfortunate responsibility of going on first, and 
doing a lot of the same stuff that the men did later. And that's kind of that's kind of one of the fallbacks or the drawbacks of having two war games matches in one night is that there's only so much that they can really do given the way that WWE books these kinds of matches. You just sort of know how they're going to play out. You're going to get the 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 good wrestlers starting off the match. They get five minutes to kind of wrestle back and forth. And then you're going to trade off with people bringing weapons into the ring. And they're all going to be the same weapons. And you're going to do the same things with those weapons in both matches. So it felt like the women, you know, while having the benefit of going on first, so the action is fresh, it also felt like they were holding back a bit so that they didn't ruin anything major that the men wanted to do in the main event later on. So I thought it was handicapped a little bit by that, but otherwise, you know, still fun. They told some, some pretty good stories throughout. I thought that the, the reunion for Charlotte and Becky was built up well and got the crowd to buy in. They, they popped really big for, for that moment when they finally shared a hug. So that worked out well to their advantage. On the damage control side, Yes, I thought that it was a very, very clear and concise story being told that Bailey was going to be the Iron Woman of the match. She was going to lead the charge, lead the offense, take a brunt of the punishment from the babyface team, and then be the one to take the pinfall in the end despite fighting valiantly. And they also put her in a really opportune position where she shoved Kyrie Sane out of the way uh, of a spear, taking a spear from Charlotte, which was a, a significant moment because just at the beginning of, of the month, Bailey had been upset about the idea that Kyrie was brought into damage control without her knowing. So the fact that she would now go to bat for her and shove her out of the way and eat the spear is sending the message that Bailey is a team player and she wants this to work which sets up Bailey very well for a nice babyface turn when damage control inevitably turns on her, I presume, very, very soon. So I liked what they did story-wise, uh, and I, I would like, I think, I'd like to see the remaining women in damage control continue on as a faction, but I do think it would be wise to rename them. And uh, you could do it right away, or you could have the other women dump her in the Royal Rumble, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. They clear the ring, and then, of course, the rest of them clear the women, uh, the ring of Bailey. But I'm always predicting... They always, they always need stories like that for, yeah. for the Rumble, too. So it makes sense to tell a big story like that over the course of that match. And, and let me say, anybody who's, like, ready to buy into that, I predict that everything will happen at the Royal Rumble every single year. Um, so, so don't put too much stock into that yet because, uh, I just love the Royal Rumble and I'm always predicting everything will happen there. Let's go to 305, uh, I believe Miami, but you can tell me differently if that is not the case. Uh, state your name and where you're calling from. You're from Miami. Oh, you cut out a little. What's, what's your name? DJ from Miami. All right. Well, uh, how did you find the show tonight and what are your thoughts? Uh, not my old Survivor Series, you know what I'm saying? So, it's, you know, everything's on top of each other. Like, they should have, like, brought Randy or Sam Punk out, you know, one today, one tomorrow, but, you know, yeah, Monday, but you know what I'm saying? My question is, my, I have two, actually, this is a two-part question. <laughs> now that CM Punk 
is come. Well, how many questions do I have actually? Uh, I'm kind of three a play or? it by ear sort of guy, but three is what I usually fall back on. Okay, great, great, great. Because what usually I do with Greg, so that's all I was asking. I didn't know. <laughs> um, okay, so my first thing is as a two part question. CM Punk is back, right now. He is in there with you know uh, the top best. How you know this Triple H just said it right now. So you know we have Cody and then we have LA Knight. So CM Punk is a guy who loves to get hurt a lot, right? So my question is this: my part of question is this: How long do you really give him to get hurt? Because he's going to try to do what he can do, you know. Faster, like he did, you know, at EAW. So my question is: Triple H just said on the scrum that he has the best team he'll put up against anybody in the any sport in the world. That their concussion and their medical and their wellness program is the best. So they're saying he's saying. So my question is: When do you really think Triple H is gonna see that CM Punk is definitely gonna get hurt in five seconds because? He keeps on doing these lariats and stupidness that he's definitely going to do with Cody or one of these guys, and he's going to get hurt in, I don't know, I'd say less than a month. Thanks for downloading today's show. Take it to the next level with a VIP membership. Get shows like this, the Wake Keller Processing Podcast, Wake Keller Processing Post Show, and the PW Torch Daily Casts on our PW Torch VIP podcast feed with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also hear the VIP exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and The Fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits, all the bonus content, and the ad-free listening experience. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. Well, I, I, I will say that I'll start by saying the culture in AEW and the culture in WWE are very different. Um, and CM Punk may have been given a longer leash there that maybe you don't always want to give guys who want to go 100%, even in uh, small-time matches and even in small-time moments. Uh, and, and you're looking to take care of them. They've just got a better infrastructure to take care of, uh, of their talent and um, and that's something that I think has to come with time, but certainly, certainly with uh, with culture as well. Um, I it, it, nobody is immune to freak accidents, but I would suspect that Punk will be treated like the money making star that it can be, and they will be a lot more careful than AEW. It, it just my read is that Tony does not like to say no to wrestlers and um and wwe's brass typically has no such problems uh brandon yeah i mean it's hard to it's hard to look at the stuff that happened to punk and just say like oh it's definitely going to happen again with with full certainty i mean could it absolutely he's an older guy uh, at this point, he's he's got a lot of tread on. He's got a lot of wear on the tires. I mean, it's it's always possible. An injury is a part of a part of the sport, as it is with with any sport. Do I think it's far less likely in WWE? Absolutely. I mean, they work they work a much different style. I mean, even even though Punk was working what I would consider to be AEW's main event style, 
which is sometimes balls to the wall crazy, but oftentimes a, a more traditional main event pace, depending on who you have in the ring. Take like the MJF and, and CM Punk series, for example, and until they went, you know, all out with the dog collar match. I, I think that Punk, even even in his biggest appearances in WWE, is going to be working by and large a safer style than he did at any point in AEW. And like you pointed out, Kelly, I just think that the infrastructure that's in place in WWE is so much more precise and, and so much more robust in handling the way that wrestlers conduct themselves in the ring. I mean, so much of what we've heard about the way that w, that AEW handled their their booking and, and their match layout, it's really a wrestler's p- playground and a wrestler's paradise. And, and things happen because the wrestlers want them to happen, not necessarily because it is, you know, the, the tried and true creative direction of the company. Everything that Punk does in WWE is, is going to be under WWE's creative lens. So he's not going to have... in AEW or the long leash that he had in AEW, it's going to be very different. So, I mean, could he get hurt in match one? Of course. I mean, that that's the case for, for anyone, but I, I don't look at punk at this point and, and consider him to be any more or less injury prone than, than the next guy. DJ, go ahead with another. Uh, real quick, I just want to say, like, in general, like, I feel like Sam Punk likes to go fast in the very beginning, and that's why I'm scared of, like, he might do something crazy, so, you know, you know, LA Knight or, you know, uh, Cody or something. That's what I'm scared of, you know, and like you guys said, he has a super weird chin on his tires, so I was just saying. All right. My second thing is... Um, Wow, now it's coming, you know, now that we have Orton, we have, you know, I don't know if Seth is really a baby fan, or what he really is, but Cody, my question is this, now that I, I love LA Knight, it's just like, now he doesn't really have a chance, Orton's back, Punk's back, I feel like, and then, where is all our heels? Roman's gone for a while. I don't know where Bobby is. Like, I don't know what the hell. What is, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no real heels. Who's going to – all we have is the Judgment Day, and look how they're acting. Like, they're, you know, they always have stuff between each other. So it's like, who's a real heel here? In, in general, do you think one of these guys, CM Punk, maybe Cody – oh, not Cody, um, L.A. Knight or one of these guys are going to turn heel or – do you think we're just kind of uh, Randy or what? Because we have so many baby faces. That is something I had not given much thought to yet. Um, I'll say that I think the reason LA Knight wasn't on this show was so he didn't get drowned out by these big baby face returns. Uh, it, well, you knew that they would be baby face returns, even if this isn't truly returning baby faces and they end up turning, uh, it would, it would be tougher to do with Randy Orton since he did return and fight for a baby face team, uh, to turn him on the next night. But they have certainly done that before, brought somebody back, allowed them to get the baby face reaction that they knew they were going to get. And then, uh, twist the knife on the next night or the next, uh, the next scheduled night. 
and show that they were truly a heel all along. Um, they could be doing that with Punk. Uh, I think that Damian Priest continuing to be elevated is going to be part of that puzzle. Um, I think that it's possible that Braun Breaker will be part of that, that they'll bring him up and they tried him as a baby face. I thought it was dead on arrival and uh, he just is so much more at home as a heel and I could see them trying him out near the top of the card. And if that doesn't work out, then, you know, he'll slide down the card a little bit, but I can see them at least giving the, giving that a shot. You've also got Carmelo Hayes in NXT and Hayes is a babyface right now. They're doing some stuff with him. There's a storyline that I won't get into, but uh, but Hayes can play an extremely capable babyface and heel. So if they need to stock the shelf with heels, they've got the talent to do it. Uh, Brandon, what do you think about the state of uh, the two sides of the ledger? Yeah, it, it definitely came to mind tonight when watching that main event especially after the win when you had the, the five baby faces standing in the ring together. It's just kind of overwhelming when you, when you think about how over those guys are. I mean, all five of them were in, in, a, in a really good place creatively. It's been a long time since we've had that many strong baby faces that the crowd isn't actively rooting against or rebelling against. They're all strong for different reasons. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate that they're in that position because on the flip side, they just don't have the heels to match up against them. I mean, the Judgment Day, for for as well as they have worked in this role and for as well as they've built their careers up, both individually and as a unit, they're, they've worn they, – the feuds for them to be in have worn really thin. It's kind of like the bloodline over on SmackDown where really they've feuded with any everybody and how many times can you realistically continue to do – different combinations of the same match. So that that situation has worn itself a bit thin, and they are thin on the heel side. I think that Drew McIntyre finally solidifying himself as a full-blown heel is going to be good for Raw. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they can do with him on that end. I think that, you know, if you give Randy Orton the option, he is always going to take the heel side. I think he's a more natural fit for a heel. But I also understand the flip side. If WWE feels like he is a true legacy character at this point, no pun intended, and and they don't think that they can turn the tide against him, then I would understand if they think that they need to keep him babyface. But I, I could certainly see, you know, something working with him against Jey Uso, who I think feels pretty Teflon right now in terms of crowd reactions. I think that they could get Randy Boot against Jay if they really wanted to. So that's an option as well. You know, you certainly look to to bring in guys in. SmackDown is 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 short on the on the heel side as well. Uh, you you like you were mentioning, Kelly. You can bring guys up from NXT, and then I don't know where how CM Punk is going to be slotted. I, I mean, just scrolling through uh, scrolling through Twitter as we were starting the show, there were you know some information starting to pour in, and it, it sounds as though. They either shot an angle at the end of the show uh, after it went off the air, or it was a legitimate reaction. But Seth Rollins left the ring in a hurry uh, after Punk um, after Punk showed up and had to apparently be held back by officials. So that was either them shooting, you know, the, the start of an angle, or 
as some other people kind of speculated, it, it appears as though absolutely no one other than Paul Levesque knew about Punk's return. And so Seth's reaction could have been legitimate. Who knows? Um, but I, I would think that the more likely scenario is that, you know, they sent word to Seth and said, hey, let's let's shoot this real quick. And that's what they did. So there's a possibility there that, that Punk would be the heel in that matchup. So that's another option. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. And Seth's kind of up for whatever, and he kind of surfs on the edges of babyface and heel all the time as it is. So mm-hmm. DJ's saying, I don't really know what Seth's supposed to be. I mean, that's kind of Seth's default setting. Um, he, he plays around at the edges quite a bit. He's a bit of a tweener. And if you want to lean him slightly more heel, it wouldn't take that much work, and it wouldn't take all that much of a change to his character. You just start booking him against babyfaces. Uh, DJ, uh, go ahead with one more. Yep, my last thing is, um, well, real quick, I just hope that, well, actually, I love Punk as a heel compared to a babyface, so that'd be great, because Roman's going to be gone, so it'd be great for a, heel, a good heel like Sam Punk to do something. Maybe he can, like, do something with the Judgment Day, or I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? Something crazy. Make them shave their heads, I don't know. <laughs> um, my, <coughs> my last thing is EAW. Like, going into this again, uh <sighs> It's like a two-parter. Like, I don't understand. Like, there's this guy, he thinks he's the devil, but he's a babyface devil. There's no such thing as a babyface devil. I'm so confused. But right now, of all people, Christian's the main heel. What? When see, when this guy has the belt, on this, there's Samoa Joe. I'm just so confused. Like, there's so many babyfaces there, and then there's... You know, and then there's no real things that, at the end of the day, there's, like you guys said, it's like a playground. Like, they're doing craziness. Like, they're throwing bottles on the floor and then glass, and nobody's getting cut. And they're stapling your heads. Like, I don't understand. Like, some of you, are they heels? Are they baby faces? Like, I don't understand. Like, some of you need to take charge. Like, this is not right, what they're doing. It's like, it's like e whatever it's called, all over again. You know what I'm saying? E- you know, it's like a child's game. I don't get it. All right. We thank you, uh, DJ. It's what, what he's describing is part of why I never stay engaged with AEW for very long at a time. It, it feels like, if you drop out and drop in about a month later, everything will be different. The featured people will be different, with with some obvious exceptions. And, um, and there's no, I don't want to say through line or get too, uh, too highbrow about this, because it is pro wrestling. But it, it just does seem like... A lot of it is Tony saying, this would be so cool, this would be so cool, and then not having the discipline to see something through before he realizes, oh, I made a promise to this person, I could get them featured. I, I 
I don't want to make real specific accusations, but it just does seem like there's an excitement there about newness and shiny new toys, which is funny because WWE has used that as a storyline a thousand times where heels were mad about the shiny new toy. Um, but that really is kind of the way that that company presents itself sometimes. I will admit to dropping in and dropping out of that company quite a bit, and um, and I've been out for a handful of weeks. I, I read up on it. I see the major things that are happening, but I've been a little more out on it. Uh, after all, I am an NJPW completist, and they have run a lot of shows in the last month and a half. So, Brandon, I will throw it to you for uh, any thoughts you may have on uh, AEW's problems right now. There are a lot of them. I mean, how much time do we have? Um, uh, the, the thing, the thing with AEW uh, right now is, is it's, a, it's a lot of what a lot of what you mentioned. It's a lot of the the shiny new toy effect. Um, and I, I I understand, you know, I understand DJ's comment about about Christian Cage. Though in his defense, I do think that Cage is doing the best work of his career. And I think that the, the faction he's put together is really, really entertaining. And week over week, I think Cage is, is one of the brightest spots in, in AEW. And, I mean, that could certainly be, constru- be construed as a negative because you could look at that and say, look at all the youth that you have on that roster and all the talent that is there and the best stuff that you're getting on a week-to-week basis is, is from Christian Cage. And I understand that, that sentiment, uh, absolutely. But I don't think that because that is the case, that 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 should be used to discredit what Cage is doing, because I I really do think that that this run that he's on is is really impressive. But I I think that week to week, AEW has a problem in telling consistent and and concise storylines. I think on occasion you get some some deep uh, you get some deep threads that are laid uh, that that work pretty well but oftentimes it just feels like we're going to have this match for the sake of having this match because it's going to be a really really good wrestling match and most of the time that's absolutely right it is a really good wrestling match but i've I've used this argument with aew for a long time and i think it still rings true is i can see a good wrestling match anywhere I, i mean i can see it in wwe i can see it in nxt i can see it in aew i can see it in new japan and and list you know any other promotion that you want you can you can see a good match at impact i it, what i am most drawn to with pro wrestling especially now is compelling stories told through the lens of professional wrestling and sometimes i think AEW does that very very well but more often than not i feel like i'm just being yelled at to watch this dream match and that isn't what I look for. So at the end of the day, do I enjoy the match? Sure. But it's not what my vision is for, for pro wrestling. And, and for some people it is, and that's, that's great. Um, but it, the way that they're presenting these shows has clearly, clearly had an impact on their drawing ability as a whole. Because as you can see across the board, ratings have been fairly consistent. They're not bad. They're not great. But where they're really taking a hit is in attendance. And their attendance has, on more than one occasion, crossed the threshold into embarrassment levels. And when you are going on live national television and you have to black out 
your entire arena because there aren't enough people there. No amount of production tricks are going to make up for the fact that you can hear the echo from the crowd when they're, when they're chanting or cheering or clapping along. And it has sent the message that AEW is a stale and cold product. And that is hurting them on a significant level. And then you take something like tonight where WWE has this card that to me on paper is not all that special. And I don't think that if you just take wrestling, the five wrestling matches presented on Survivor Series tonight, I don't think that this was one of the stronger shows of the year by any means. And both WWE and AEW have had a very strong run of premium live events and pay-per-views this year. I don't think this was one of the strongest. But you take a listen to the crowd, their excitement, their involvement, their participation, the way that they're buying into what WWE is selling them. And you can see the disparity between the two products right now. But then to add on the fact that they brought in the guy who got fired from AEW because of drama involving the EVPs of the company, because ultimately they they could not get along. At the end of the day, they just could not get along and make it work. And here's WWE, who wronged Punk significantly almost 10 years ago, who Punk has disparaged publicly and privately for years. And yet they, as a professional company, can work it out. And at the same time that this PLE is airing, AEW is having their live show on television and name-dropping CM Punk for the first time since he left, left the company. It's not a good look. It's unprofessional. It's tacky. And it makes WWE look like the big leagues and AEW like the, like the minor league. You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show. And it will also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I am watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at PWTorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And, of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, PWTorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. Yeah, I, I got, you know, there's some people on Twitter because, of course, I got to be looking at it a little bit right now and seeing if they're, if we're missing anything uh, real big. Um, but, you know, some some people as big a names as Ryan Satin are saying biggest hypocrite ever. And I just I mean, that was nine years ago, nine, almost 10 years ago. Um, it will be 10 years ago in two months. And. That's a lot of life lived and a lot of changes gone through for both Trips and Punk. And I just, I, I can't, I guess I just can't take that superficial view of a situation like this um, when I, when we can't know 
how much they have gone through. Uh, yes, and I think it was DJ who talked about the show that CM Punk was on uh, with Renee Paquette, uh, and I can't think of what that was called, um, where they'd talk about the goings-on in wrestling. And there were people who went at him for that um, and said, you're, you're a hypocrite for getting paid by WWE. And he'd just, he'd just say flatly, oh, I'm not getting paid by WWE. I'm getting paid by USA. Um, I just happened to be talking about this company. Uh, and that was that was a bizarre blip on the radar. I never actually watched it. I, I was not that didn't capture my fancy, but um, but I don't know. I uh, I guess my thoughts are so scattered about this because I never thought we'd be here. So it's like I have a million thoughts that yeah. are trying to explode out at once because that night after the Royal Rumble and then the news we heard in the in the week that followed. It just seemed like it was it was over forever, um, but mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, it, DJ said never say never. Um, Brian might have also, and and that's what WWE tweeted out: never say never. And they showed the CM Punk return. So okay, um, lest we give these singles matches the short shrift, um, I guess we can talk hey, about them. Kelly, before we move on, actually, uh, we it, it, about twenty minutes ago. Triple H uh, posted a photo on on Twitter with CM Punk backstage in Gorilla. They're pointing at each other. Hunter's got his arm around him the way he does with, you know, the way the, the new talent or new champion picture that they always take. Yeah. And uh, he just tagged it, mighty cold day in hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I mean, there's no way for them to do this other than to lean into it because. Yeah. We we on the outside know way more about this than we ever should have. Um, yeah. So, and, and they're using that to their advantage. And I don't know how they don't use some of that in the storyline. I, I, Punk is a very very valuable heel, and and one of my favorite heels in the business. But right now, you've got the ability to do kind of a Stone Cold Steve Austin thing with him um, to fight the establishment. But I, I just don't know that the establishment is well enough established on TV right now. I, I don't know. Talk me off the ledge from seeing well, this story. I think, again. I think the issue with, with presenting like a fighting the establishment character with Punk right now is that the establishment is over as a babyface for the first time in like a couple decades. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I suppose <laughs> that is probably going to be an issue. And and by the way, that's the way I think the establishment should be. I mean, if they're heels, then it, it just it was always so illogical to me that they would yeah. be mad at the fans that are buying the tickets. Um, mm-hmm. the, having some dumbass Jack Tunney always made a lot more sense to me, who was trying to be the voice of the people. Um, yeah, I... I don't know, folks. Um, tell me what I think about the CM Punk return, because I am not yet certain. Uh, singles matches <laughs> in the middle of this show, mostly harmed by the fact that these betting odds were so strong, Michael Cole brought them up. Because that's like the only way you can say maybe the impossible will happen. What was it, 5,000 to 1, Gunther against The Miz? Yeah. Um, Gunther wins with the lion tamer. Under it on. Uh... Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, and Gunther wins with the Lion Tamer on a night where they actually brought up Chris Jericho, which is like a big twofer yeah. that, again, uh, surprising yeah. to see. But you know that Jericho will be back in that company someday. Um, <laughs> he'll. It's funny to me how many times he's jumped and says the things he says, and nobody understands that he's just like a salesman. And they're surprised, oh, like, yeah. oh, well, how did he show up after that? It's like, dude, he's just stumping for his company. He's, he's being a pro wrestler. It's the job. Um, but, yes, Gunther over The Miz at 12-21. Santos Escobar over Dragon Lee at 8-20 with the Phantom Driver. Um, too bad that they had to rush to this match uh, due to injury, but what are you going to do? And Rhea Ripley with the Riptide over Zoe Stark. Zoe brings a lot, but... Um, but some more time building that character on TV seems like it would have been prudent. Glad they gave her the spot and and the chance to sink or swim. But gosh, I, I just I know how good she can be because I saw it on NXT. But I don't know if it's a mouthpiece that's missing, if it's uh, just more who is this person that's missing, like maybe a, a mini documentary type thing. But at any rate. Two title cha- two title matches. I don't know if I've ever been so sure that on a match with championships, I've ever been so certain that none of those would change hands, Brandon. Yeah, I, I mean the 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 idea that they were they were leaning into the betting odds kind of kind of told the story. I, I mean. I, I think they they did an okay job with the Miz and Gunther match where they they put Miz in this situation where he despite despite coming into the match technically being the babyface Miz pulled out all of the heel tactics in order to try to stay alive and I think that because they did that uh, because because they they went with that uh, style of booking, it, it allowed or it helped people believe that there was a possibility that he could potentially come out on top. So that that aspect was a little bit better than I expected. But at the end of the day, there's still, I mean, there was no doubt. Even even when he hit the, the low blow in the skull-crushing finale and went for the cover and the crowd popped at the kickout, I sensed it was more like the crowd just playing along and going for the ride rather than actually believing that the ride was going to take them to a surprising destination. So it, it, it's just, it was exactly what I, what I sort of expected it to be. And the same, the same goes for Rhea Ripley and, and Zoe Stark. I mean, Zoe Stark is certainly a talented wrestler and someone who I think that they can get some some significant stuff out of in the future. But unfortunately, she just wasn't there yet tonight. I, I mean, she just wasn't built to a point of being a credible contender for Rhea's championship, especially given the fact that she was already involved in that fatal five way at the beginning of the month at crown jewel and came up short. I didn't think that immediately going to a singles match with her right after that was the wisest decision because she'd already had the shot and it was shown that she would, you know, that she came up short to Rhea. If anything, it seemed like they were planting the seeds for the Nia Jax match, which would have made a lot more sense 
because Naya was the only woman who wasn't pinned in Crown Jewel. Jack pinned everyone else in the match. So Zoe had already taken the pinfall to, to Rhea. So it didn't make a ton of sense for her to come out as the one-on-one challenger here. And I thought that, you know, the match, the match kind of played to that. It, it, it didn't stick around very long. It didn't overstay its welcome. Zoe got in a little bit of offense, but the crowd was clearly behind Rhea from the jump. She is too over and too much of a star right now to try to get someone like Zoe in a position of being cheered by the fans in a match like this where they know that the outcome is is clear as day. So like the rest of the, the three singles matches that, that filled out this card, I, I sort of felt like they were there, but they, they, they didn't do much of anything for anyone. Longing for some nostalgia? Or maybe you want to learn some wrestling history? Don't miss the 90s Passcast every Friday on the PW Torch DailyCast feed. Alex and Patrick will transport you 30 years into the past by taking you through the Torch issue from that very week. Follow news from the WWF and WCW and all the happenings from across the wrestling industry in real time as the Torch reported it 30 years ago. That's the 90s Passcast every Friday on the PW Torch DailyCast feed. Yeah, yeah, lots of filler in the middle of that show. Um, I had the same feeling with the skull-crushing finale. Like, I didn't even shift in my seat. Um, My thought was, oh, oh, he's going to kick out of the skull-crushing finale. Like That's what I thought. And when the crowd went nuts, I I just kind of said to my wife, in fairness, a lot of them are drinking tonight, and I'm not. So um, (laughs) maybe they were fooled a little bit more than I was. Um, We do have Sean from Murfreesboro, Tennessee here um, waiting. Just got on the call. So let's go ahead and put him on and and see what he's thinking tonight, Sean. Hey, Brandon, can you guys hear me okay? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I can hear you uh, real nice. Yeah, no, it's good to talk to you guys. First, I wanted to say I wanted to ask you if y'all had a good good Thanksgiving because it was a it was fun for me. I got to eat a lot of food, so I'm hoping you guys got to do exactly the same as I did because it was yummy. It was good stuff. So I hope you guys had the same time, good time with your family and such. Lots of awesome cooks in my family. Chief among them, my mother, who did all the cooking this time. Um, so yeah, no complaints. So I unfortunately, go ahead. I have I have minor minor complaints. I won't spend too long on it, but unfortunately, uh, because of a, a very inconsiderate coworker, um, my girlfriend got COVID uh, on Saturday a week ago today, and we missed so we missed Thanksgiving by one day because she was able to go out on Friday, but not on not on Thanksgiving. So somehow, I don't know how, but somehow living in the same house with her, not taking any significant precautions, I did not get it. So I remain negative. So that is the great thing. But in solidarity, I did stay in with her on Thanksgiving and we did our own little thing, which is, you know, unfortunate, but it was, it was, it was fun enough. Uh, it wasn't a total downer. So. Now I feel kind of bad about the fact mine was so good. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead, right, Sean. Exactly. 
No, uh, well, first I just want to say, Kelly, it's good to talk to you, man. It feels like it's been a while. And Brandon, I, I always enjoy talking to both of you guys about wrestling, so I'm, I'm glad to be on here. I know you guys have probably <clears throat> talked about a lot of the stuff. I just had to get on because I was, um, I actually was watching it. it uh, a good friend of mine, I was getting to watch it at, at their house. And so I was like, I got done a little bit earlier, and I was thinking, and I was like, man, I, I got to call. I got to call these guys and talk about it because I, I, and I know you guys have brought a lot. But the one big thing I just wanted to bring up about with CM Punk, I know you guys have talked about it. Um, I, you know, me personally, I know I've talked to you, Brandon, about it, and I think I've talked to you, Kelly, maybe once about it. I, I'm not a huge fan of having a back, honestly. I'm not one of these people that I'm just like, I've got to have CM Punk back. I was kind of hoping WWE, honestly, would just go and do what they've been doing. I feel like they've been on a good run. I really just kind of felt like that I just wanted them to keep it that way. I, I just, I'm, I'm not as big of a punk fan as I used to be. I'll, I'll admit before I, I liked him a lot. And then I've seen what he's done in AEW, you know, is it all his fault? No, of course not. But I think a lot of it was, and I just think the WWE was in a good spot, but I'm, but at the same time, I'm willing to let it play out. I'm willing to let him explain why he's there, what they're, what they're planning on doing with him. And hopefully they can make it worth my while. Um, so I just want to throw that out there. I'm, you know, I'm willing to let it play out, but I'm still very skeptical. I hope there's not a lot of strife that comes from this. I'm assuming everybody's cool with him coming on board. That's why he's there. Obviously the pop was huge. You knew it was going to be. Um, so if you have anything to say to that, that's fine. But I just wanted to throw that out there real fast at the start. I'm actually going to say that I kind of am with you on the way that I feel. Um, he's he's a guy who brings a lot of risk. Uh, so he – I'm just as – I'm fascinated as a fan to see what they do with him, even though the level to which I loved the guy at Straight Edge uh, Society Days um, and the height of uh, just other things he did um, – is not there anymore. So it's, I still like him. I still think that there's value that can be found by him, but I'm, I'm not a guy who needs him there either. But just as a fan, I'm, I'm fascinated to watch this, this car either crash or, uh, or speed over the horizon and, and, you know, um, into the sky, like at the end of Greece. I don't know, folks. I'm all over the place with this metaphor. Uh, Brandon, uh, bail me out. So I am, I am someone who I, I credit CM Punk with keeping me invested in pro wrestling, not once but twice. So I look back to the the 2011 summer of Punk, where. I think WWE was at a really, really low point creatively. And I, I was honestly so frustrated with the product at the time that I was, I was barely paying attention to raw. And when, when they had that, that tables match or whatever it was at the end of that show in Vegas, and it's, it's Cena and it's our truth. And it just feels like everything is just rolling downhill at, a, at an alarming pace. And, CM Punk cuts the infamous pipe bomb promo and suddenly I'm fully hooked and I'm back in, uh, totally on board. And, and even though 
you know, some of that I have to look back on now with rose-colored glass or rose-tinted glasses because, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it just, just went south very quickly. And then, of course, Punk's unceremonious exit from the company was unfortunate and, and felt, you know, in ways like a slap in the face. And I, I'm not... I'm not blind to the fact that, that as a fan, I've been burned by CM Punk more than once. But that has never been enough to, to make me feel any less invested in what he's capable of delivering on the microphone and in the ring. And I think he was the catalyst for my re-emerging interest in AEW in 2021 as well. And, you know, I thought they had a really good summer, but it just felt like they were missing something. And Punk really, really lit that company on fire for a while and made it feel really special, especially with the, you know, the debuts of Brian Danielson and, and Adam Cole shortly thereafter. They just had a really, really impressive run there during 2021. And, for a while, I mean, throughout that year, AEW was was far and away my favorite promotion to watch. I mean, I was I was really looking forward to Dynamite on a weekly basis, and and that sour over time. And I, I think you know the addition of Collision, even though it was Punk Show, was was probably a a bad decision creatively. And so I've had ups and downs with Punk over the years. There's there's no question about that. But I. I guess at the end of the day, I'm not the one who has to deal with him. So <laughs> I, I, I say that to say I, I'm not blind to the challenges that having CM Punk in your company can bring and what he can do to a locker room potentially. But as a fan, I enjoy watching him in the ring and I enjoy watching him cut promos on the microphone. And if I get to do that for a little bit longer – in a company where I, I genuinely thought I would never see him do it again, then I'm going to take it for what it is and, and try to enjoy it. And if it all blows up in my face, I won't be surprised, but I'm going to, I'm going to take it for now. <laughs> Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW torch newsletter, paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash papercopy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more. pwtorch.com slash papercopy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch Newsletter paper copy edition in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. Yeah, I, I was at Full Gear um, 2021 with with Wade Keller and uh, and here in the Twin Cities. And in the media room and everything there. And CM Punk was one of the guys that got interviewed um, after that night and uh, and after his matches. And you could just tell that every question was just non-moronic enough for him not to chew out the person asking it. Uh, like, he, he was... <laughs> that edge is, is there. And I think it's there all the time. Um... So it will be 
as, as we've said over and over, it will be interesting to see what this brings. Uh, Sean, let me unmute you again, and uh, if you've got uh, another one, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, I, and Brandon, I think I'm with you. I, I'm and going back to the him real fast. Is the injury bug is what I'm worried about because he's had a lot of injuries since he's come back, and and I just that's another worry with me. And apparently, from what um, Hunter said, he's excited to have him back, and so you know they've they've worked things out, and if he's willing to take him on. I'm excited to go for the ride, whatever ride we're going to go on. But I wanted to talk about uh, Randy really fast. And um, I, I, it was fun to have him back. It was really fun to have him back. I, I mean, it was just exciting to see how enjoy, how much fun he was having being back. Just enjoying being back in front of the crowd. Um, I mean, he loves WWE, and, and you can see that. And he really, I, I know he worked. You, he looked in great shape. He looked like he's worked his butt off to get back. Again, with his back, I hope he's you know fine. Um, he can do what he's been doing for years, but it was really, really good. I mean, he, the, the spot, of course, with JD, you know, with RKO was, was just, was really cool. JD, I mean, props to him for taking that. That's, I wouldn't want to take that, but I'm, I'm glad he did because it, it looked cool. Um, so I wanted to hear, you know, I know you guys probably already talked about the match itself, which was a really, really fun match. Uh, faces one, which I was expecting, uh, kind of more heat with the Judgment Day, kind of see where they go with Drew and all that, but, so if you want to talk about Drew too, because I mean, I'm, Drew didn't have a lot in the match, which I think kind of surprised me a little bit. I'm curious where they're going with him. The Hips really haven't defined him still yet, like totally heel. Like where is it, where is he? Which is intriguing. But um, I wanted to hear what you guys thought about the match too. But Randy and kind of where Randy, where do you think he's going? Because I, I, I'm really excited to see what they've got in store for him coming back. Because it's really it feels fresh right now. So I want to hear what you thought about him coming back and where he's going. After the stare down, I think that Orton McIntyre is going to happen, if not before WrestleMania, at WrestleMania. Um, I just think that there was a meaningful stare down there that, and then they didn't have those guys interact like all that much. Um, they just had right. Orton destroy the smaller dudes, uh, the fall guys on the Judgment Day. Uh, and do that. Um, we did indeed talk about him some, but not a lot because naturally Punk dominated the conversation. Uh, but yeah, he's Orton's not a guy that has ever been appointment tele, television for me. He's not like somebody I ever thought of on my list of favorites, um, and I haven't really liked him since probably the first time he was Intercontinental Champion. Uh, back in 03, uh, 02, whatever that was. Um, that's the last time he was like a mega, mega favorite of mine. Um, even though he's just, he's, he's never been somebody that I'm like, get him off my TV either. Uh, but God, his joy came through tonight really huge. It really looked like he was having the time of his life out there. And let's be honest, he was probably relieved because he had to be worried that he'd get the booze because he was not CM Punk. Um, because, like, they, I, I wonder if they had to convince him, hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to have Punk come out there anyway, so so no problem if if it's not as smooth as it could be. And that Chicago crowd just, just ate it up. Um, and I don't know if there was anything, Brandon, you wanted to say otherwise about, uh, about Orton's return and how he looks and... How worried you are about that injury, but uh, but I'll throw to you. Yeah, he looked he looked really good. I mean, clearly he's been working really hard to to get back into shape and and get back to a point where he could 
he could do this conceivably for, for a while longer. I, I mean, he said in interviews in recent years that he's, he's really enjoying himself. And, and that's, that's good. Cause for a long time, I think that that wasn't the case with Orton and, to me, Orton is one of those guys who makes it very visible whether he's enjoying what he's doing or not. I mean, when you get Randy Orton phoning it in, man, is it is it a bad time for everybody? I mean, I have sat through some slogs of, of Randy Orton feuds and matches, and, and that contributed a lot to, to him not being, you know, a, a major favorite of mine either. But I felt like in the last few years, he's really put his best foot forward and, and has been really motivated to, to do some, some cool stuff and some entertaining stuff. I, I thought the pairing with, with Matt Riddle was, was really strong and really good for his career. Even if that sort of, you know, went down in flames in the end for, for a number of reasons, uh, none of which were, were really Randy's fault. Uh, it's, it's surprising at the end of the day that he was even able to make a return. I mean, we, we had heard for, for a while there that, it wasn't a given that, that he would come back at all. I mean, it was a serious enough injury that he, uh, he very easily could have stayed retired if, if, uh, if, if he had wanted to. He's made his money. He has paid his dues. He's done everything that there is to do. But uh, clearly, if he's back, it's because he, he feels like he's still got something left to give. And, and if we're getting a motivated Orton, then it, it, should, be, it should be a fun run. And, and I do suspect that we do see Orton and, and McIntyre at some point. And, and that's a that's a feud that I think would be really important for McIntyre to come out on top of. I just feel like McIntyre's been been dealt a, a pretty a pretty poor hand um over over the last several years and, and getting a strong definitive win over uh, an act as over and as consistent as Randy Orton is 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 really saying something and it is sort of reaffirming the commitment to Drew overall. And Orton is Teflon. I, I mean, he can he can take a loss like that very very easily. You took that. If you hadn't said Teflon, that word was just waiting to come out of my mouth for the same reason. I mean, and and not only that, but he's kind of probably entering the give back portion of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. so he's kind of he's kind of there. So. Um, yeah, the length of his feuds over time is another thing that graded on me as well. I, I don't want to sound like I'm exaggerating, but three out of four matches in wrestling history are Batista versus Randy Orton. So just uh, <laughs> just a crazy fact. Um, three out of four matches, those two guys. Do you remember when Hulk Hogan shocked the world and formed the New World Order? Or when Stone Cold Steve Austin passed down on the sharpshooter to Bret the Hitman Hart? I'm Torch contributor Frank Pettiani, and I've reviewed these shows and many more for my exclusive VIP podcast, Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Together with a rotating chair of co-hosts, we go back 10, 20, even 30 years, review pay-per-views from top to bottom, talk about where the wrestlers were at the time, and compare what took place then to what is taking place now. You get exclusive access to these and other podcasts as part of your PW Torch VIP membership, which is compatible with the Apple Podcasts app. Visit pwtorch.com slash govip for details and sign up for them. Uh, Sean, if you got more, go ahead. <clears throat> yes, yeah, so I wanted to just bring up the Rhea Zoe as you guys were just talking about it. I'm with you guys on Zoe. I think Zoe's making strides. I think her, you know, 
in the ring, she's really good. But, yeah, her character just needs to be flushed out. And that's what was hard about, like you said, that match was Rhea was just <laughs> – everybody's going to cheer Rhea, and it was hard to really get Zoe to – you know, we, we knew she wasn't going to win, so it was just hard to really invest in it. But it, it was good. The match was good for what it was. But I want to talk about the women's division as a whole, because I don't know if you guys have talked about it a whole lot, because you were talking about CM Punk, obviously, most of the time. But I wanted to go up to the women's division, more, more talk about the, the War Games match itself. It was it was good. Like they worked really hard. It, it wasn't. I mean, it was it was a fine match. It wasn't anything spectacular. Um, there were a few really good spots. The, the 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 spots I don't like. I'll just kind of vent real quick. I don't. I give EO credit for standing on top of a cage and holding and putting a garbage can on her head and not knowing, you know. But those spots are just so contrived to me. I just hate when you just have to, you know that all the women are just going to get over there and just get in a big huddle and just stand there and wait to be jumped on. I I just, I hate those spots. I hate them. And Charlotte doing the moonsault again, we don't need, we know how athletic she is. It was cool her getting on top of the cage, but it just, you have to wait for her to get up on the cage and stand up there and everybody's just going to get over there and they're all going to stand in a big line where she's going to dive on top of them. I don't like those spots. I, I know they're going to happen because they're cage matches, but I just, it feels so contrived. I hate them. I wish they would stop doing them. So I wanted to get that out there really fast, but the match itself was good. Was very surprised that the faces went over. I thought the heels would win only from the perspective of, they're starting to grow back damage control and supposedly getting them closer together as a faction, not the Bailey part. Cause Bailey would, you know, is kind of the story of, we don't know where she's in with them. We don't know if they really have her together with them. We don't know if they're really liking her right now. They just, is it pretend, you know, the whatever. I just felt like to build them back up, they would need a big win like this and to pin somebody like a Shotzi who she had a couple of cool spots, but I just, don't like Shotzi. I've made that very well known. I don't. I was worried at the beginning of the match where she almost fell on her head. I thought she hurt her head. And then she did a couple cool spots at the end. But I was just like, I don't want her in this match. I'd rather her just get pinned. But no, they had Becky get the pin. The, the, the manhandle slam was, was a cool spot, and they got the pin there. But where do you think there were you as surprised as I was the faces went over? And where do you think this leaves? Damage control? Are are they still trying to get stronger? Like, where, where do you think? What do you think is going to be happening with that whole fashion and that that match? What do you think of that match as a whole? Talked about it some, but we sort of yeah, I don't know. We kind of surfed over it. Um, I predicted all the matches tonight correctly, which is not to say that that was difficult to do with the other four. This is the only one where I had. <laughs> Any doubt at all, just any at all. And the reason I predicted this one correctly is because they're doing something with damage control. Uh, otherwise, I would have said, okay, they needed a fall guy. It's Shotzi's in a happy to be there position. Uh, Shotzi can fall in this match and uh, come out better just for having been there. Um, but I thought that damage control would lose this. I mean, maybe part of that is just because I'm conditioned to see them lose as a unit, but uh, but also because they're doing something with them. And the fact that Bailey's the one who ate this pin, we talked about how that's probably leading to the uh, the darker, the meaner members, uh, not the snotty ones like Bailey, um, maybe turning on her and blaming her. For this loss and saying that this this faction has lost a lot under 
her leadership. Now it's time for Asuka. Um, or whatever that looks like. Or or for Io, uh, who's got potentially more years ahead of her than, uh, than Asuka. So I liked the match, but I can't say that I felt that it had some major stamp on it. Um, there have been NXT War Games matches that were not the same in terms of talent or smoothness, but were much, much better in terms of pure storytelling and make me making me remember what that match was about. And I only go to, back to matches that feel like they were about something uh, most of the time, uh, that they really had some kind of stamp on them, especially high-concept matches like this. A one-on-one can be just a great one-on-one, I suppose. But uh, but a match that tells a really high-concept uh, high match, I want to see these ones that really tell a story. And you've always got a chance to do that with... Uh, with war games, and it seemed like they took a year off from uh, doing that, Brandon. It's the same reason that I, I, I mentioned at the top of the show that I didn't find last year's women's war games match to be particularly memorable, even being in the building. And it's not that I didn't like the match at the time, and I, I did, and if I watched it back, I'm sure I'd still like it. But it, it wasn't particularly memorable because it didn't have – but a real strong story to it. And and this was the case here as well. The story was a little bit more nuanced in that they were they were telling the demise of Bailey. In that Bailey and it's not really a story that that you were meant to pick up on until the end when she eventually took the fall and it it kind of became clear but Bailey was clearly the MVP of that match for, for damage control throughout. I mean, she was the first in the ring for her team. She fought valiantly. She ends up, you know, uh, as, as I had mentioned earlier, Bailey was the one who was uh, most hesitant of, about allowing Kyrie Sane to join damage control. And then in the end, she is the one to save Kyrie from eating a spear from, from Charlotte Flair and instead takes it herself. But that leads to the, the crux of the story of this match, which is that Bailey is the one that loses. And Bailey is usually the one that loses, and damage control usually loses. Mm-hmm. So the story is set up for the, the remaining members of damage control to kick Bailey out under the guise that the, the, the faction, the stable has failed with her as their leader. And Bailey can, can explore a new babyface character, which I think it's time for her to do. I think she's earned that. I think that the crowd will be happy to cheer her again if they're given the opportunity and she's presented in a way that makes it uh, feasible for them, which this certainly does. Because, again, Bailey fought really valiantly in the match. Uh, she, was, she was the star of the show, so to speak. And, and then she's going to get turned on for her trouble. So that, that was the story for me. I, I think that damage control can be salvaged and repurposed in a much more positive light under control of Asuka or EO Sky or just, you know, the four of them sort of not having a, a, a de facto leader the way Judgment Day operates. Uh, I, I, as I mentioned to Kelly earlier in the show, though, I, I do hope they change the name. I, I, I think damage control is sort of a, uh, a damage goods at this point, and I think that they'd be better served changing the name once they kick Bailey out. Yeah, I think that we, for whatever reason, kind of as a wrestling fandom collective, believe that factions cannot be saved because it's too much work. But Judgment Day was nearly dead on arrival, it felt like. And then they became appointment TV. Uh, 
So it can be done. And as somebody who watches New Japan, I have seen I've seen Bullet Club be great and I've seen it really, really suck. So uh it can happen where it peaks and valleys for uh for an entire faction. Um you know, Greg was going to pass along any emails he got. Uh, he is more or less on his honeymoon, so um, perhaps more pressing matters than sending emails <laughs> to some dudes about CM Punk. Um, but he has not done so. Uh, Sean, if you got one more, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up, Greg. Man, I, I, I hope he's, I hope he's doing well. I hope he's enjoying it. Um, Congratulations to him, of course, and I know he was already doing that, but it's it's cool that that's official now, and he's a married man now, so that's cool. Um, but am I crazy? Are you guys with me on those spots? I wanted to ask you that real quick. Is, am I just over going overboard with those spots, or do they feel the same to you when that happen, or are you just kind of like it is what that, it is, and it's part of the match, it's what they're going to do? That got kind of forgotten by me, but I, I am with you, actually. Yeah. I think that um, you could put a moratorium on some of those spots, because if you want to do that garbage can spot, cool. But I've seen it multiple times now, including multiple times by you. Um, and if you want to do, uh, what do they call it? The tower, where everybody teams up for a big superplex splash mm. body slam in mm-hmm. the corner and for a while that was your guaranteed spot on nxt war games you knew it would happen in both the men and the women's matches every time out uh yeah they ask a lot of us when it just seems like you don't even have to get rid of the spots entirely if you just tinker with them to make it a little more realistic that everybody would be in that spot Mm -hmm. the problem is you can't have just them all laying there because way too many things could go wrong with the way that eo or charlotte's legs land so you can't have them all laying down um and you can't have them like all run out of the way i guess you could it would be hilarious but it would uh it would be no good for that person jumping from the top of the damn cage so um we have seen enough innovative spots in the last couple of years to know that they're still out there. There's still new ground to be trod and you can still find something new to do in a ladder match, in a hell in a cell match, in an elimination chamber environment. Um, These things can happen. We're about to go to a commercial break. Why listen to commercial breaks when you can go VIP and experience our shows with the ads and plugs removed? PWTorch.com slash Go VIP. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP for full details or go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. Rates start as low as $4.99 to remove the ads and plugs through Patreon. Full VIP membership starts at $9.99. Treat yourself to a streamlined ad and plug free listening experience with a VIP or Patreon membership. Uh, Brandon, any, uh, any moves you need to see go away? Yeah, the, the, the garbage can spot I, I'm a little less critical of only because it felt like the match needed a, a big signature moment, and that was clearly it. I mean, that was that, that seemed like it was the biggest pop, uh, unless maybe – I mean, Becky and Becky and Charlotte's hug was, was pretty over. That, that could have topped mm-hmm. it, but yeah. the garbage can spot yeah. was, was over big. Uh, and, and so I give that one a pass. The one I'm less inclined to give a pass to is Charlotte's moonsault. Um, because I, I, I've spoken about this ad nauseum, but it, it, it never looks good. I, I, I don't know that I can point to one time 
other than maybe that very first time she did it at like WrestleMania 20 or 32 in Dallas, uh, where it has looked good. I mean, she, she misses it every single time. Uh, this time tonight, she connected with her knees and, and part of her upper thigh and kind of landed awkwardly on the head of, I, I don't remember if it was Kyrie Sane or, or EO Sky or whoever, but not only does, does she not land it, but you have to do that, that wonky bore out setup where everyone else involved in the match has to stand below her like idiots hanging on to each other, pretending that they can't stand up to get into position for her to jump. And it was even more egregious and obvious tonight because they weren't just waiting for her to fly off the top rope to the outside. They were waiting for her to climb the entire cage and get to the top before she flew off. So I don't, I don't know how you fix that spot that, not just the moonsault, but, but the, the coming off the top of a structure where you're taking out a crowd of people. I don't know if it needs to be better timed so that you get the wrestlers in place closer to the last second. And I realize that there's danger involved in that. And the reason that they do it the way that they do it is so that people land safely. But I think I would just prefer that they do away with it altogether because it looks dumb. It looks overly choreographed. Yeah, I'm always just fascinated, too, by moves that wrestlers feel like are part of their signature, but they've never actually done it in a way that looks good. Like, Tamina, I get why Tamina does the super superfly splash, but she just steps off the top rope and falls. Um, she doesn't have the confidence to jump from there. Um so it just looks like a really, really cheap imitation. And I always just thought, why is there nobody saying, hey, to me, it's super cool um, that you want to do this to honor your uh, honor, Jimmy. But but hey, maybe maybe don't. Could you just not? I, I don't know. It's just I, I don't know how that is when somebody has a signature and you have to tell them it's just not working out. But uh, but there you have it. Um, yeah. Brad, I I don't know if we derailed you because you asked uh, for the thoughts on those overdone moves, but uh, if you got one more thing to play us off, you can. Otherwise, uh, we'll throw in some final thoughts here and head for the exits. Well, Kelly, I I, I don't know what to think of you calling me Brad, but I'll I'll forgive you. Brad, oh my gosh, he's another caller that I really like. I'm so, you know what, Brian called me Greg. Brian was on earlier. He called me Greg intentionally about 15 times, oh. and it was A1 trolling. <laughs> Loved it. Um, uh, apparently, I'm I'm paying it forward. Go ahead, Sean. No, oh, Brad, Brad's great, and, and Brian, of course, I mean, he's made 33-year PW Torch subscriber now. I'm like, dang, that's, that's crazy. I, I mean, I've barely been alive that long. Um, no offense to you, Brian. Um, the two quick things. The first – was going back to the if Carlito is quote unquote going to be hurt, just don't have the match. Like don't sacrifice Dragon Lee to him. Like I know Santos has got this heel character now finally, and I think he's in a good lane. But don't have him beat Dragon Lee. Come on, guys, not do that. Good match, very good match, but don't do that. No need to do that. And then way off topic, Brandon, are you are either of you guys college football fans at all? 
No, I am pro basketball and baseball mostly. I tolerate pro football. I say tolerate. I watch every game my team plays. Um, but I don't love it to the same degree that I love. I, I, I'm the sports card guy in um, a collectively owned uh, sports card shop. That's what I do. In fact, in fact, I had to tape the news because I was interviewed for um, Small Business Saturday today. Like, I'm on TV today talking about uh, sports cards and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very, very into sports. So when I say that I'm kind of into football, that is sort of on a different curve. I will say that I don't watch a lot of college football because when you're obsessed with a sport that plays 162 games, a sport that plays 82 and New Japan Pro Wrestling and WWE, uh, where's the time for college football? <laughs> yeah, uh, and on, on my end, I, I I I like college football. I'm a diehard NFL fan. I try to catch major games in, in college, uh, but oftentimes it doesn't work out because during the fall, I dedicate my entire Sunday to NFL football, so I, I sort of need my Saturday. Well, I was just going to say, so you guys probably saw, uh, maybe saw something, because Alabama played Auburn today. And, I mean, now, I did see am that. I biased? Yes. I, and am I, am I biased? I don't like Alabama. I mean, I'll be honest about it. But I'm very, you know, I'm a college football junkie. Like, I will say if Alabama's good, if they deserve to be really, or if they're really good, I'll say they're really good. Kelly, Alabama converted. Auburn had him in a fourth and goal at the 31-yard line, which means you have to get a play of 31 yards to score a touchdown. Oh, yeah. They somehow gave that up. Like, I, I was just sitting there. Alabama like, my scored? My mind was just blown. I'm like. Alabama was a yes, the scoring Alabama side? Had fourth and goal at the 31. Down, but, yes, Alabama was down four with 30 seconds left. Fourth and goal at the 31. No timeouts. And. Fourth and goal for 31. I, I, it was just like, I've never seen anything like it. I was just, my mind was blown. And I was just, I was like, I w- almost want to not watch college football anymore. Like, that's how frustrated I was <laughs> watching the end of this game. So I just had to throw that out there because I didn't know if you guys, you know, but and it, but that's what makes college football great is you never know what's going to happen in some of these, like, really good games, these rivalry games. I mean, it's always, they're always fun to watch anyway, but, man, that was something else. And Alabama, they are the Roman reigns of college football. Like you watch and you know you shouldn't get your (laughs) hopes up, but you do. Right. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of the deal. But no, um, that's all I had, guys. I I appreciate you guys. You guys are, I enjoy talking wrestling with you and um, I'll, I just appreciate. All right. We think it is always Sean. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, it was it's a weird show because I enjoyed so many things about what I saw, but it doesn't feel like one I will go back to. Like maybe I watch that CM Punk moment if the CM Punk return turns out to be something good. And uh, and maybe I watch these War Games matches if I decide that I'm going to watch all the War Games matches. So for me, show was better than the sum of its parts. Um Lots of skippable content, but at least that skippable content was decent, Brandon. So I hate to be that guy who puts thumbs in the middle, so I will lean them slightly up, Brandon. 
I yeah, I mean, I give I give it a mild thumbs up, and I I do that because the Randy Orton return was impactful. The CM Punk return, whether you're excited about the prospects of it or not, is certainly a a monumental moment. It's huge for for the company. It's huge for for news going forward. It's it's intriguing whether, again, whether you're a fan of the, the move or not, it's a big deal. And so on newsworthiness alone, I mean, it gets, it gets a thumbs up. I think that the War Games matches, though I, I had my qualms with both of them for, for different reasons and, and didn't think that they were all that memorable in the long term, they were enjoyable enough to watch in the moment that that this is uh this is still a, a a thumbs up show for me uh on the lower end of i think what wwe has presented for for ple's this year but that's not that's not even that big of an indictment because i think as i said earlier it's been a really strong year for for both wwe and AEW when it comes to pay-per-views and ple's I'm Kelly Wells. You can find me on uh, the former Twitter at Spooky Milk. Um, I do PWT Talks NXT as well as host um, NXT eight years back on the VIP side of our site. Brandon, who are you? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm Brandon LeClaire. I have uh, been with the Torch for a little over four years now. Started covering SmackDown, moved on to the pay-per-view PLE beat. So you can find my work uh, on the Torch each and every month. I cover all WWE PLEs and all AEW pay-per-views. I also am a frequent co-host with Wade Keller on the Wade Keller Pro, Pro, Pro Wrestling Post Show. And uh, my latest gig is joining, usually Greg Parks, uh, after every PLE and pay-per-view on Wrestling Night in America. Yes, indeed. And um, and I hang out with those two guys. Y- you know what? You can find me all the hell over the site. I promise. Um, <laughs> that That is our show. Uh, thank you. If it is this time Saturday... It must be Wrestling Night in America, and a uh, newlywed Greg Parks will be back with you at the regular time next week. Cheers, everyone. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much.
A PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history, our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews with wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s. And also our podcast library dating back to the year 2003. There's no larger, longer-spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a PW Torch VIP membership. Now approaching 20 years of podcasting. Go VIP and dive into our post-pay-per-view roundtables, our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling, top-name long-form interviews, and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years pwtorch.com slash go vip we have a streamlined sign up form and you can pay with paypal or directly with your credit card or debit card in one or two minutes from right now you can be a vip member and diving into our library pwtorch.com slash go vip searching for more great pro wrestling talk then join me jason powell host of the free weekly pro wrestling boom podcast Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other Pro Wrestling Media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day, every day to keep up on breaking news and more. That's pwtorch.com. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at PW Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. 
Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. One benefit of VIP membership is access to our back issue library. Contemporaneous, in-depth, insider reporting on pro wrestling in real time over the past 30 plus years. And throughout the year 2022, we're going to begin our march through the year 2002 with back issues posted each week in PDF and all text formats. You can read it in a PDF format with our original magazine slash newsletter style layout on your screen and flip through the pages, or you can read a straightforward all-text format on your phone or tablet or laptop. The back issues early in 2002 covered the arrival of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan to WWE and all the controversy that came with them, plus my cover story that broke the news on the planned launch by Jerry and Jeff Jarrett of a promotion called TNA. Also, the early 2002 features are 2001 year-in-review features, including ranking Pro Wrestling's most influential power brokers and our Torch year-end awards, the year in quotes, and the top 50 stories ranked in order from the year 2001. So go VIP and dive into our back issues. We have most of our back issues available as soon as you sign up with new back issues week by week from the year 2002, one at a time throughout the year 2022. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. That's PWTorch.com slash go VIP for full information and our sign-up form. It's more than podcasts. It's an unmatched library of wrestling history spanning more than three decades as soon as you sign up with more issues added throughout the year. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Do you want to cleanse after eating too much Halloween candy? Do you want to have energy to deal with your relatives and all the travel? Eat nutrient-dense food that's quick and easy with Factor Meals. That's what I do. Sometimes I'm just too busy to cook on my busy schedule, and I want to make sure I'm eating well. And with Factor, I don't have to run to the grocery store. I don't have to chop, prep, and clean up either. And I get flavor and nutritional quality that I look for to give me the energy to keep doing what I do. It is cold and flu season, and I found over time that when I've been eating well, I recover quicker from uh, cold and flu symptoms. And during this time of year, you want to be able to get out and do things without feeling like you're going to be sick for two weeks afterwards. The clean eating and nutrient density in Factor Meals makes me more confident that I'm going to fight back against all the germs that are out there circulating during this time of year. Factor provides over 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that does support a healthy lifestyle and will meet your meal preferences with their variety all delivered right to your door and ready to pull out of the refrigerator and heat up and eat in two minutes. You don't have to wait 45 minutes for delivery, worry if the food's going to be cold, worry about how much to tip, and mess around with the delivery app. Every week you get a box of meals and they're in your fridge ready to go. They also have an assortment of 45-plus add-ons to suit various preferences and tastes, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes and smoothies. With Factor, you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice, too. They offset 100% of their delivery emissions and source 100% renewable electricity at their production and site offices. So, this November, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. 
Head to factormeals.com slash Wade50 and use code Wade50 to get 50% off. That's code Wade50 at factormeals.com slash Wade50 to get 50% off. 